Welcome back to the Stag Raw Podcast. This episode is an absolutely exciting one. I'm joined by two lads who, if you're following podcasting in New Zealand, probably don't need too much of an introduction, but uh, Seamus Martin and Steve Holloway from Between Two Beers. Had the pleasure of driving up to Hamilton to uh, record this one in the NZME studios. Thankfully, Steve hit record. I was watching him carefully. And uh, we got an awesome chat done with the lads. Um, they are absolutely crushing it out there. Over 120,000 downloads a month, which uh, makes this operation look pretty small fry. But um, they're doing wonderful things, connecting with the ACC and having incredible guests. People like Mark Ellis, Paul Henry, Chris Cairns, Josh Cronfield, uh, the team from the ACC, Jeremy Wows, Lee Hart, Mike Minogue. Um, yeah, Jason Hoyt, he's a personal favourite. Um, yeah, fantastic episodes there on Between Two Beers. If you haven't um, come across them, make sure you head over to uh, their podcast and check it out. You won't be disappointed um, and you'll likely hit subscribe. Uh, make sure you've hit subscribe to the Stagger podcast as well. Left a review, your five star ratings. Um, not many people have connected with that given what our following is so that that's always interesting um and be sure to share it with friends uh put it in your socials tag myself and the between two beers guys that'd be lovely if you could please please do that um just yeah that's how the likes of between two beers get out to 120,000, and uh hopefully we can do the same here on the stag raw plenty to go around uh we crack into some arepas if you're wanting to order yourself a supply of Arepa off their website, you can use the code STAGRAW for 20% off. And uh, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with the lads from Between Two Bears, Seamus and Steve. Enjoy. Seamus, <laughs> you were saying you got the shits last time. Right? <laughs> I did, yeah. I got uh, one of these from across the road from where I worked, mm. and between opening it and drinking it on the walk back and then eating lunch, I then had violent diarrhea. <laughs> Good. As we said, it's probably the pine, pine bark extract or, or vitamin C. Yeah, yeah, I Googled straight away thinking... Common guess, common guess. Morgan Penn was speaking the other day about high dose vitamin C. How you know that can how quickly it can move through you. How did you find Morgan Penn? Oh, it's nerve wracking, isn't it? Did she come after you with some <laughs> sexual chat? Well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, well, the first one I was recording in a cupboard. Oh, I've gone to the ground. <laughs> I was recording in a cupboard, you know, for acoustics. It didn't really work, but um, yeah, on Zoom. So that chat was very nerve wracking. We talked about uh, soft cock worship. <laughs> we didn't go. We didn't go there. Now we didn't go we? there. No, no, no. And then the second time I went up to Devonport, it was um, hardcock worship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, she was just trying to tell me that you can uh, fix a broken coccyx with a few therapies. I said I'm okay with it. Thanks, Morgan. Yeah, yeah. She's it's a intimidating situation, eh? <laughs> Not a broken coccyx, but a, a <laughs> both. Uh, yeah, both. Yeah, both chat. I'm going to have to Google soft cock worship later on. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, one of the most popular episodes if you want to. <laughs> 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 so so she was saying too much vitamin C gives you the shits. No, it does. Uh, that, that's a good good um, cure if you've got a cold. Just oh. an overdose on vitamin C, and you know you hit the mark when you've got the shits. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that one away. Didn't learn that one in the States, Stephen. No. Nah. No, I didn't come across that one. No. That's good knowledge. Knowledge <laughs> is power. <laughs> what part of the States were you in? I was in New Jersey, uh, Monmouth right. University. Uh, I don't know if you remember a man of similar age, Jersey Shore. Remember yeah, the show? Watched a lot of it. Mm. Jersey yeah. Shore. Yeah, so we were down sort of in that area. So a lot of uh, blowouts and guidos, they called them. Mm. Sort of the oomph, oomph, oomph dance music. But yeah, good yeah. time. Were you there that actual time? Yeah. When it was blowing up, Snooky and... It was a little, little bit after it, actually, situation. I think. Yeah, because yeah. it went on for a few years. That's what, it. What Mike was, Sorrentino. What yeah. was the... Um, Ronnie, J-Well. The, the, the DJ. Paulie D. Paulie DJ D. Paulie yeah. D. Yeah. yeah. I song? think they're going again, those guys, eh? I see now. So. One of them went to prison, back I'm together. Sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe even Paul, um, Mikey. Mike, Mike, yeah. Mike in prison. The situation. Yeah. Ronnie, Ronnie and... Sammy, Sw- Sammy Sweetheart? Yeah, you yeah. got it, man. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hey. frothed that show. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was a good show. So, yeah, that was that was where I That was the scene I was in. Did you GTL? Uh, Did you have the shirt before the shirt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was GTL? G- Jim Dan Laundry. Jim Dan Laundry. Yeah, okay. Memory's not what it once was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so naturopathy wasn't big in New Jersey? No. No, it was uh, the school I went to was a very rich private school. So you were either on a sports scholarship like I was or you were your parents had shitloads of money. Mm. And so we lived in these ridiculous like seaside mansions. <laughs> like there was a soccer house and there was like 11 bedrooms in it. And I had one of them and there was just parties there, you know, two times a week. And it was just a ridiculous, opulent mansion. And yeah, I sort of thought that was normal. That was me at 18 thinking that this is what the world was. So Thursdays and Saturdays? Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays. Yeah, depending on when the games were. Jesus. Yeah. Good party time. Good. It's one of my big regrets not going to US college. Yeah. Should have. Dr. Wilcox was our football coach at Hamilton Boys High and he was like you should definitely go is that how you just got there eh a, a school teacher was like get over there well that was how I that well he encouraged me I don't know whether Doc encouraged you to go that that path no he was too focused on his push ups <laughs> he, he was did he hold a record for the was it pull ups or push ups push ups I think he had the New Zealand record for most consecutive push ups yeah <laughs> Um, but that's how I got over there. One of the Scotty Granville, who was a few years older than me, like a bit of a legend in Waikato football circles, he went to Monmouth and mm-hmm. we were looking for a scholarship opportunity. Reached out to Scotty. He said he sort of pulled me over with him. But that was how it worked back then. You, yeah. If you had a Kiwi link, that was as good as gold. Like, because I think Mikey Cunningham went. That's a name. He, that's he's, a name. He's the year, he was the year ahead of me. And then I can't quite remember the next guy from Cavajim, who was the year below me, who, who went over. Yeah, that's about, about all I have. And did uh, Chisholm, did he go? John Chisholm go? JC. Yeah. Holy hell. Because yeah, he, was, he was playing with my brother, so. Really? Yeah. Who's your... Well, no, he was just, you know, humble goalkeeper from Invergargle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, a few, few federation tournaments and, yeah. Small world. Oh, well, it's, it's, you know, I've got the old Queen's Park. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. I saw that straight away. Yeah, so the, the, do you know much about the Southern Premier League? <laughs> I would know. I, I would hazard a guess. I would know far more than Stephen does about the Southern Premier League. Shay's got a wealth of little cultural niche knowledge about lots of different topics. So yeah, so, so we, were, we were in the uh, Southland Spirit days. Yeah, we had um, Craig Chipperdale come down. With yeah. Chicago. yeah, yeah. And actually, I, I went when I moved to Auckland. I tried my luck at Central United, and 
old chipper was there, but there wasn't enough of an in. I think I needed to change my name to O'Connovich. O'Connovich, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that would have helped. That would have, defi- <laughs> that would have definitely helped. Queen's Park, is a, it's a intri- yeah. Not too much, not too much. Oh, the only weird reference I have to Southland football is an Adrian Fonity went down there who was a twin. Who <laughs> like These Samoan twins, they ripped up secondary school football in Auckland, yeah. and Adrian ended up going down there, and Damien became a bodybuilder. He might have been at Waikato FC when you were there, actually. I do remember a bodybuilder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wasn't a bodybuilder then, but he became one. But he was a big... Yeah, oh, okay. He was a big son. Did he get into trouble with the law? No, just yeah, a bodybuilder. I, I think... Got into trouble with the law? Possibly. Yeah. But yeah. I don't want to yeah, stake anyway. my reputation no, on that. We're, we're, we're going down some, rabbit holes. We've gone, <laughs> some, we've gone into some areas. <laughs> yeah, it's a, um, John Herman got back in the news at the start of the year. That would have been, been great. It, well, that's where he cut his teeth, isn't it, down yeah, your well, way? Yeah, well, I... He changed my life, that guy. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I still I still live by look good, feel good, play good. Thanks to John Herman. He was <laughs> it was before his time. Oh, it was come to Chicago, like what a random spot. And he was just, you know, bringing up video and telling us all these formations and passing it back to the goalkeeper and, you know, like playing out from the back and we're like, What do you mean? Don't you just kick it down the field and hope for the best? <laughs> he, he, yeah. Oh, is that where he started? I yeah. don't know. Yeah. That. yeah. yeah. Shit, he, he cut a path, eh? What, in, in the span of how many years he's... Uh, probably spanned three or four years. Coaching at a World Cup. Oh, no. To, yeah, what, he probably had three or four years down south. Yeah. He made his way up to North Shore. Yeah. Went, went to the woman he, here, or the, or the under-20 woman. That's it? Yeah. And then, then he was off to Canada. <laughs> Not long after that, eh? Yeah. Yeah, but he did. He started in Dunedin, uh, in Invercargill. That's a fuck. That's a throwback. Yeah, so that, w- that was good. We had... John and John Hewitson, who we brought out, coaching us for youth league, and yeah, we were just like you were saying about Jersey Shore. When Geordie Shore came along, we were just like, "It's John, it's John Herman, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the guy, that's the guy." Yeah, no, so it was crazy life, and then yeah, Central United, we were like, oh, I'm not Croatian. So was that was that? So did you play a lot growing uh, up? Growing up, yeah, yeah, yeah and then, right. then I switched switched allegiances after. One game against Waitakere, coming off the bench and scoring for the reserves, and then we think we had exams that week, and it was kind of like, no, nah, you can't play next week. I was like, mate, I scored last week, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was it. And then I yeah, got angry, went and played rugby, went to went to Eden Rugby Club, and really, did Eden Varsity. So I, I caught the end of Josh Cromfield at Varsity, and um, it, was that the second coming of Josh Cromfield at Varsity? Yeah, the second coming. He was the coach then of the, of the A's. <laughs> yeah. yeah, is it true what he like he, on on our episode with him? He said he would go to the student parties as a mature student. Yeah, so we got his last when I was in the under twenty ones Colts or under twenties Colts, he was coaching his last season with Varsity as the coach. So he must have been finishing uni, him and John Lensley. Yeah, and then, yeah, he left and JL carried on. Yeah, it was they were, they were good and like you said, that was when six sixty was starting to creep along and like they'd play at the rugby club and yeah, people would try to get him to skull a jug and. Do a kickstand. That was still when, he would. When, he, when, he, when he said that story. I was like, I, I saw you do that. <laughs> yeah, but no, I wasn't wasn't part of his team. But yeah, in in that circle was was pretty pretty good. Sitting over from the junior table over to the senior table, being like, fucking hell, that's <laughs> that's Josh Crombie right there. Yeah, yeah. and they had the, they had the um one of the jubilees while I was there, and so yeah, it was like Mark Ellis, John John Timu, like. Lots of big names all come coming down. All the Highlanders owners <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, Tane Randall. Tane Randall. Good throwback. Mm-hmm. Gavin Douglas would froth over this. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think Tane was at Varsity, unfortunately. But yeah, oh, what a what an era. Yeah, even even being from Southland, like 
I, I remember somehow being in my grandparents' crib. You know what a crib is, eh? Mm. It's a batch. Just a batch, like a real like box with maybe two rooms, if you're lucky, sort of. And yeah, we're watching Otago when it must have been about 96 or something like that. When it carries broken, and was like, we're not even from Otago. But <laughs> is it, do you carry that parochialism to this day, your Southland parochialism? I thought I did, and then I lived in Hawke's Bay, and holy fuck, those people are parochial. Really? <laughs> Hawke's Bay's another level, eh? Like, really? Yeah. Must be something about that little outpost of I think that's North it. Island, New Zealand. Yeah. Southland is like proper. Southland is froth Southland. I think it's because we get beaten up on, and then it's funny coming to a place like Hamilton, the other place that gets beaten up on. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> hence the ambassador movement. Yeah. How did that start out? I I truth true story. Because you're Topo. <laughs> I am Topo. I am I grew up in Topo. So the ambassador thing started as a throwaway line. I heard it in Hamilton City Council mm. when I was working I came back from overseas and I was working in the council and they were talking about having Hamilton ambassadors and they were like volunteer people down downtown. Mm that just guide people around and it kind of got shortened to ambassadors and I was like, fuck, that is cool. Like, let's just use that. Let's just talk about that. But nobody seemed to kind of pick it up and then as the podcast kind of continued, I was like, let's just drop that in and go see, from there. See, this is interesting to me because I've never heard this version of the story. Well, why would I let that version <laughs> All I All out? I had been told is that you came up with yeah, this phrase. I did. It was but Hamilton. It sounds, it sounds to me in the retelling of that that someone else came up with it. Yeah, and that's because you look at it. You're looking at it half empty. <laughs> it was Hamilton ambassadors, and I said, "Ah, oh, ambassadors." Okay, but didn't you just say that someone else was saying ambassadors? I get some people volunteers. Yeah, Hamilton, Hamilton ambassadors. ambassadors. Yeah, right. you're gonna have to listen to it on the replay. Maybe I did say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to roll the tape back. Yeah. Nah, good on you, man, because uh, it's a good thing that you've created, or someone else created, and you've sort of. I'm surprised reworked. no one's. I, I kind of feel like we should probably trademarked him <laughs> yeah but i don't know how yeah. to do that yeah but it, it, to, to take over shay's story it is um like you say hamilton gets shit on a lot and it took me a while to come to this proud of hamilton place but i really am proud of hamilton now and it's like a movement and it's a little bit similar i guess to we had steve dunstan on the huffer founder uh, a few weeks ago and we just recently released that podcast and then he had a moment where they created the I love, I heart New Zealand t-shirts. Mm. And up until then, like having that on a shirt or being proud or patriotic of New Zealand was just not really a done thing. Mm. And I was kind of thinking as he was saying, it's like, fuck, that's like Hamilton. Like <laughs> who's, uh, Chiefs aside, like Chiefs is separate. Like Hamilton, like how many things do you see out there that are just like proud of Hamilton? It's always people sort of dunking on Hamilton. Yeah, there's not that much. Um, so like Ambassador, I don't know, it might have some legs. It's, it's in its very beginning stages i don't know you know uh, it's it's kind of a name for our community but it gets a bit confusing because people think you they have, have to, to love hamilton or like hamilton to be part of it it's like no it's kind of like taylor swift has the swifties between two beers there's nothing that works with that you, yeah. you're just ambassadors Beardies. yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> you'll be pleased to know i had somebody get the reference today really yeah, yeah when i left work they're like what are you doing ron going back to took it all i was like oh i'm actually going to hamilton and then record a podcast with these guys i was like did i one of the girls listens to podcasts. Do you know between two beers? She's like, I know between two ferns. I was like, hey. yeah, yeah. Let's see, we get that a lot as well. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I have to uh, admit, I um, sort of when I got introduced to you guys, I misconstrued it. They said, oh, I listened to between two beers. I was like, oh yeah, Bert Kreischer and uh, Tom Square, and they're like, 
Yeah. <laughs> was that two beers, one K? Yeah, two beers, yeah, one K. Yeah. And then it was until the Luke Kimmy's podcast, it was like between two beers. I was like, oh, that's what that guy was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen one. There's like a Sky Rugby or League show from Australia. It's like between two posts. Yeah. I saw that the other day. I was like, ah. Morgan Turanui and yeah. I think Rod Kafer or someone like that. But someone sent us, like, took a picture of it and sent it to me and said, oh, they're stealing you. Stealing your IP. Stealing your IP. <laughs> we kind of borrowed quite heavily off Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> we kind of stole. Yeah. To begin with. Yeah. Well, while you're at the Hamilton Council, did you get any seed uh, Waikato come across to play? Any seed? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no, no, it's a youth, youth organisation. Well, not even oh, youth. Young, young, young adults. Um, yeah, I know what that is, but no, not, not direct contact. I was H3, <laughs> so I was the... Venues and events unit of Hamilton City Council. Oh, good. They just would have so. used used your venues. Yeah, at the uh, at the gardens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was that. Well, that one's only just gone into H three. That was separate again. It was oh. a, councils are a, an interesting beast to work for. Yeah, and then how's the old cricket? And there's lights on at the stadium tonight. Like, uh, yeah, that's the FIFA Women's World Cup gearing up. They're doing all their testing for broadcast. I, I guess the. Yeah. the Time stamping this, but the Zambia versus Japan game is here on Saturday night. Has um, been on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yes, and what a game it was. <laughs> who who would have picked that result? <laughs> Fantastic game. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Who would have seen it? Yeah. It's all happening in Hamilton. Yeah. So, do do you get a bit uh, sort of envious to see that going on, having having been part of events? Oh, I do because I kind of when. I really wanted to be a part of it, um, and it just hasn't worked out that way. So my involvement will be as a fan. Mm. Um, but with what did you want to do? Oh, just have just again as a <laughs> as a I don't know, like as someone who is proud of Hamilton, and and, and and I was the venue general manager for the under twenty World Cup that we had here in twenty fifteen football FIFA tournament. Um, and I'd been involved in the 2008 under 17. So, like the two FIFA tournaments that New Zealand had had, I'd I'd been part of the local organising committee, and and I wanted to be a part of this one again. Um, yeah, someone that's proud of Hamilton, kind of felt a little bit of a personal connection to it, given kind of FIFA history. And I went for a couple of roles and got turned down for both of them. So, I kind of was like, oh, okay, well, it's clearly not meant to be. So, um, try and park that and just go as a go as a fan I was on the other side of that saying don't hire him because I need him free. <laughs> I need him freed up for podcast uh, recordings what's, what's happening on the other side of the paywall uh, at the Herald yeah uh, lots happening there at the moment um, it's it's kind of a crazy time in journalism where paywall is working uh, it's been there for four years now that, that is my main job is mm. essentially to try to get people to get their credit card out and pay for sports news um, so there's a real craft of uh, creating engaging headlines and synopsis and stories to, to back it up uh, but we've had great success actually funny story we had Mark Ellis on the podcast a while ago and it was our most popular app ever and he sort of popped his head out uh, did this epic uh, recording with us and then sort of went f for cover again and then one of my colleagues who we also had on the podcast Chris Ratu uh, was sort of scouting around he does these Q&A's every week he's yeah. like who who would be a good q and I was like I reckon you could get Mark Ellis because he's just you know he's invested in the Highlanders he's kind of like he's back in the news a little bit get a Q&A just ask him a bunch of random shit and so he did it 
and we put it on the website on was it Thursday afternoon and it has been the most successful sports story of the year in terms of premium subscribe people that have signed up to to read it and audience it's had over 200,000 page views which is just insane it just shows like the the um the energy the, the engagement of the guy still and i was mm. thinking about why it was so successful it was kind of framed around why i'm leaving new zealand so again a guy who doesn't talk a lot is talking about leaving new zealand under i guess surrounded by this picture of you know quite divisive political lines and leaving new zealand and people dunking on new zealand being quite a, a hot topic at the moment so here's a guy who's kind of check the lad he's always happy he's always up for a laugh and he's saying quite serious something se quite serious about why he's leaving new zealand and the issues in the country and just that tease was just like a magnet and mm. it's just been the most yeah the, the biggest story of the year in sport yeah. Imagine how many more people would have subscribed if people like me didn't screenshot it for all the mates <laughs> and send it around Facebook Messenger. Yeah, there was one answer about like leaving for Italy, which I saw got um, shared, yeah, shared so many times on Twitter. But again, that's great promo for us because it's just one answer. People want to go and read the whole thing. So, yeah. And then with an event like this coming up, how do you feel about geeking out on football? It's an interesting one because we're driven now by audience. Um, you know, it's a business. We know what our premium subscribers like reading. Um, we know what sort of stories they're going to sign up to read. And traditionally, women's football hasn't been great with numbers, um, but we are ramping it up big time for the Women's World Cup, and our coverage has reflected that, and we're going to be going all in. And I've, we've seen really good signs in the week. Mm. You know, it's kind of like Kiwi audiences. They... They just tune in the week before a big event yeah. Yeah. or the day of. You know, I, I imagine like Thursday morning, people are going to be like, holy shit, this thing's huge. <laughs> Again, time stamping, but this is before, I'm talking about before the New Zealand-Norway game. Um, so I'm starting. To, we're starting to see it with audiences and trends and, and people starting to buy into it, but we are very late to the party as, as a general rule, Kiwis. It's like America's Cup, eh? No one cares about yachting until the America's Cup. <laughs> starts yeah. and then everyone is like an expert expert mm. and the, the coverage of it just increases as well like i know sail gp is trying to i guess tie in between major sailing events but at america's cup just people froth it mm. they do america's cup is a big one and there's, there's sports like that i never really got sailing i still don't really get it it's just not my thing you know i never grew up with sam hamilton you know, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> it looked good down yeah. the river. Um, <laughs> but audiences huge for sailing america's cup there's two there's two big winners for premium sport audience all blacks far and away number one anything all blacks just goes off in america's cup anything team new zealand like it's yeah i can't really explain it but then you think oh, what are the demographics that are paying for mm. premium sports news you know it's that older middle class whatever wealthy crowd um so yeah it makes sense we part of the rugby world cup part of the coverage yeah 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 it's that's huge rugby world cup for us that's yeah. that's our biggest time of the year but like with the woman did, did that sort of surprise the demographics or again, it wasn't wasn't your audience. Um, it was a bit of a slow burner. Like after that semi final win, it was huge. It was massive. Um, up until then, it it had been doing okay. Mm. But then after that, yeah, huge. From that, so that was a real moment. That semi final win, and then the final, and then just the storylines. Like like those those women became superstars. Like Ruby Tui is probably the most 
coveted highest profile athlete in New Zealand right now. I'd say yeah. probably charges the most for speaking engagements is just like the most in demand. We can't get her on the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I remember emailing her manager and he'd just be like, now you have to wait. Yeah. yeah. Like, never, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. But the name recognition of, of all those women, like we had Sarah Hidney and Kendra Coxedge, um, Stacey Flula, like they're all just names. Yeah. And I don't think you have that now with the football ferns. You know, they don't have that same star power, that same name recognition, and they won't go as far in the tournament. So it's it is kind of different. But yeah, there's a real moment there for women's rugby, and it's yeah, it's been great. They're sort of on a level now. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty exciting. Um, so how did you guys come up with like talking football? <laughs> like that's what uh, I think the timestamp of your podcast being pre the. The pandemic is quite good because, like, you were chatting football before you had nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, we were both um, involved with our local club, Melville, Melville yeah. United. Shay was the manager. I was kind of playing, and I was injured, and I was just like, sort of there, but had a bit of time to to give back in some way. So I thought we would do like a video every week mm. as sort of just like a bit of a light-hearted, fun look at you know team news or what's coming up and like my best mate sam was the coach oh i thought i was your my <laughs> other best mate shay was the manager and my other best mate mainly was the coach so there's two co-coaches and shay and me and we're like this tight group of four mates saved so it. he saved it well <laughs> so we did and we, it was like real talk with will kane or something like, like w- thursday Wilkinson, nights, at, thursday nights at gala as well thursday nights and i started sort of editing videos and we did little interviews and stuff and you were just behind the camera. When what you? year was this? 2020? No, you played oh, no, in 20. No, this was before the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. S- so we started in 2019. 17? So this must have been 2017, 2018. 18. Yeah. 18, because I came back in 17. So it was 18. Yeah. 2018. Mm. And Shay was behind the, the camera at that point. Yeah, I didn't want to be really in front of <laughs> which, which thinking, <laughs> like, we've. In front of camera. When, when you tell the story, like, that far back, you were really hesitant to be talent, weren't you? Oh, I hated it. I still, it still doesn't sit that easily or comfortably, but yeah, I yeah Stephen would sit and I would fucking sit, no idea what I was doing. Be like action, and then go for it. And then be like, ah, oh, maybe we do it slightly differently. And it was it was cool, man. It was actually really cool. Funnily enough, someone shared the Aaron Scott three hundred video. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Aaron, <laughs> who was our first guest on the podcast, and that was really good. That was some of your best work. This, Thanks, this video that you put together to celebrate our mate's 300th game for Melbourne United. But it was. That's a lot of footy. It's a lot of footy. Mm. And that's just with that one club. He's got another 200 games in National League with Waitakere and Waikato FC as well. But to carry the story along, it kind of lit the fuse of a creative outlet. Like I was working at the Herald. I can't remember what job you had at the time. <laughs> oh, but was it the council? But we did. We also did a few commentaries on games. I'm not, I don't think I ever did one with you. But what I did platform, one with what platform did you use? For Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, but we had we had some guys at Auckland University that were ahead of their time. Um, they created this thing called Spork, and it was yeah a way to like I commentated the national squash champs one time. Really, this was like 2013, and they. Oh, I, don't, wow. I, don't, I don't know how we had the bandwidth to be able to <laughs> commentate live sport, but. It was yeah. a Facebook Live, eh, that you and Jezza did. Facebook Live, yeah. And you and, and Macca. And it was fun. And it was really, it seemed to sort of flow quite easily. And then I think I'd been at Shea for ages, like, we should start a podcast. We should start a podcast. 
and but uh, I yeah, didn't know what, yeah, I didn't know yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah. I was like, nah, man, we should start a podcast. Like, I, let's I, just. I think in the background as well, I was always asking Stephen, why don't your journalists ask any real questions of sports stars? Yeah, like sort of fanning the flames that way too, and then and now we get sports stars and don't ask any real questions. No, we cannot ask a real <laughs> question for fear of them walking out. <laughs> nah, but uh, yeah, Ru- we ruining a career. Yeah, we, exactly. <laughs> Blacklisting we ourselves. Made a call like we've been talking about it for ages, and I was like, nah, fuck it. I'm yeah. gonna send a message. We like who who should our first guest be? Aaron Scott. We just talked about you know 300 games, like a grassroots legend. He played for the All Whites. He'd had a bit of like bad luck and missing out on a World Cup. I was like, there's got to be a story there. Like, let's get him in. Mm. Like, Aaron, come around next Thursday, my garage. Uh, we want to record a podcast. Are you keen? He's like, yeah, sounds good. So I was like, all right. So we went out and bought a mic, JB Hi-Fi. It's like a two hundred dollar omnidirectional yeah. mic. Uh, and Shay was was on the beers at the time, so mm. we we got ourselves. Did you did you click it to Omnidirection as well? Omni. Plenty yeah. of people have made, that, made that mistake. Yeah, yeah, I've made that mistake a few times <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, Blue Yeti, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, fir- the first uh, USB mic I got uh, got recommended by Jay Reeve, and I interviewed him with it around the wrong way. It sounded like I was in the toilet. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't even want to listen to some of the audio <laughs> that we've got. So for many of those episode one to <laughs> eleven are pretty ropey, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> So we, we did it. We did it with Aaron. And it, I was listening back now, I'm sure it was a bit of a train wreck, but we enjoyed it enough to want to do another one. Mm. And so who should the second guest be? Paul Nixon, like my former like coach and teacher at Boys High. He's like played, you know, pro over in the UK and Singapore and stuff. And I get, he's got a story. And then we found that like putting a microphone on a table gave you permission to ask people questions you wouldn't otherwise mm. and like really i think me and shay naturally are very inquisitive people and we we get energized by genuinely hearing people's stories and, and what made them the people they are today so nico's a great example of a guy you know he coached me for years and years of always i always have a chat with him in a beer but like his wife died he had four kids and his wife passed away and never i was always so interested about it but never there's never a time to talk about that sort of thing Mm. but you get him on a podcast and you say we're going to ask you about your life it gives you permission and i was like fuck there's something here i I remember that being a moment where i was like shit that's interesting and we had shay bunts like again like these people listening to this would have no idea who they are but really sort of i don't know big big names in our world and we'd had a little bit of a run-in at Waikato FC. Like, we had a bit of a fallout and stuff. So I was like, fuck, let's talk about the fallout. Like, let's let's just get into stuff which we find is interesting and, and gave us permission. And yeah, it was, it was kind of like, because it wasn't footy to begin with, there was sort of like this general understanding, and you can probably appreciate this from grassroots sport, is that everybody's got kind of that little go-to story that people know about. And it was kind of like, well, let's pull the curtain back on mm. that little let's pull the thread on that story and kind of work it through and it was really niche and people loved it at the at the start like the, i remember the the buncey steven kind of fallout it was like a gag amongst our group of friends and then all of a sudden it was i think buncey then like made an on-air apology to another player that he'd had a run-in <laughs> with and that that got like like chat going in the community and then there was this thing back in the day it was called the Northern League Forum, and it was like an it was like a message board, and people would go on and post anonymously, and basically just fucking stir up shit. But it was kind of like it, it was that come to life, not 
I guess in an anonymous way, but just kind of the sharing and retelling of stories. So a lot of our early episodes are just football people that we knew. Stephen's brother-in-law and another mate of ours, Tinks, that was a great, you know, he was. A, they were both really, really good youth footballers, but kind of never really progressed to the level that everybody kind of thought they would. So like Stevie said, it was an opportunity to kind of go, well, what went wrong? Yeah. And have a serious kind of conversation around it, which was pretty fucking groundbreaking and I didn't think about it. Yeah, and, and just as you're saying that, looking back, like podcasts are very popular and hot at the moment and everyone wants a, a nice shiny new object. But I think back to the reason that we've stayed the course and the reason that it's been successful is because in those early stages, there was no expectation whatsoever of audience, of making any money from it, of anything except we just enjoyed doing it. It was our favourite time of the week to go and hang out with these people we found interesting, have a couple of beers and just unpack their lives, mm. you know, and, and it didn't seem like, like we would travel to Auckland to talk to these people, you know, which was quite a, you know, a, a big uptaking with, with sort of busy lives, but it, it just made sense, you know, we just, we just week after week, we'd like, oh, who are we going to do next? And it's sort of... Because is that the same for you? Like you're 200, you're deeper than we are in, yeah. in this game. Is, this, is it just a natural curiosity that you've got as well? Yeah, and like I was, I was saying to you before, you know, you get to the end of one weekend, you go, fuck, what am I going to do? <laughs> and then I'll just see somebody that I'm curious about and then all of a sudden it'll fall into place and you'll get it done and it's just like, oh, hell, I've got another one in the can. Next week's, next week's fine and sorted. And yeah, I just, exactly, that. I just love talking to people like, Reasonably extroverted. I work as an optometrist and I probably don't have enough time with, with that. And so it's just great to then be able to ask more and more and more questions of, of people and, and find out their story. Like my tagline's life less ordinary. And so it's kind of like, that's all it needs to be. Like how the hell did your journey and path end up there? And I know for myself, I've done a whole lot of random things and been on the cusp of a few stuff, but it's kind of like, well, you know, I'm always striving for my little goal and I don't even feel like I've succeeded in anything. But, you know, you, you look externally at other people and go, holy cow, you're doing well. And I'm sure it's in their head like, nah, I'm, I'm going there. <laughs> and, I, and I love and I love hearing that sort of that story and that continued drive to do something. So, How, yeah. how many times have you had people go, oh, I've got nothing really to talk about? Oh, oh all, all the time, <laughs> eh? <laughs> yeah. I'm worried about that mouse, Steve. You... Shifting that mouth. Don't worry about me, man. Don't worry about yourself. We've still got red lines going. Boom, boom, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Good. good, 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 good. Are you still involved in football or like you've got a young family now? Yeah, not not as much. It's probably the most attached I've been from football ever, I'd say. Can you uh, watch it? Oh, I don't know about that. I've heard a lot about Coach Stephen on Saturday. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I saw, I meant like Melville uh, and like men's football. I, I coach both of my kids' teams on Saturday mornings. Yeah. So that's great. I love that. But in terms of. I've been to less games, fewer games this year than probably any other year of my life, like yeah. watching first team football. And it's just time. Yeah. Busy. What about you? I, yeah, I'm the same. Like for the first six months of the year, I think I went to two games over Easter and that was it. And then I've had a couple of things, had a couple of overseas trips. Um, and then I've come back and I've watched uh, three or four games now. Mm. I actually really like not being hands-on i like just being able to now just being able to turn up at kickoff watch a game and then leave whereas previous involvement was like all in mm -hmm. fucking dropping the kit off on a monday to get laundered picking the kit up on a thursday doing the bibs cooking the meals like i was fucking all in for 
best part of probably four or five years. But again, that was our mate that was coaching. Mm. Um, and it was fun because you got to spend time um, together. And, you know, you go away to Auckland. We made the National League last year. So you're flying down to Christchurch and flying to Wellington. And it was all kind of whiz-bang cool. And then at the end of last year, it was like, fuck, I'm just knackered. And he, he left the coaching kind of side of it. I made a commitment to kind of stay involved. And I went down the first, uh, I think one time at the start of the year, and I was just like, fuck, like, I don't have a personal connection there. Like, some players had left, there were some players that stayed, but it just didn't feel like my, it was a real happy place. Like, the changing room and everything about it was kind of like, oh, this is real safe and you kind of had a big role to play in it and then it was all different and it was like oh i don't really i don't really fit here anymore so now i just go and watch games yeah and then go home how'd you how'd you both get into football i grew it was the only sport i wanted to play when i grew up in topol mm-hmm. so it was tennis in summer and football in winter and i went to the uk with my dad in 1991 and I came back, and I was the only kid that had goalie gloves at the football club. So I became the goalie. And you're mad, eh? <laughs> well, I guess. goalkeepers. I was a little bit, un- yeah, maybe a little bit unhinged. But <laughs> when you grow up in a small town like that, you basically have 14 players, and that's your squad. And then you're the club team and the rep team. So we would go to Rotorua, and we would go down to Taranaki, and we would play. And I was just kind of loved it and carried on from there. So um, played all the way through until... I retired at 22, maybe, 23, 23. Was this after the Left a lot of good years on the table. Yeah, I did, did leave a lot, actually, in hindsight. I left, Still got a few good ones in you. No, I do not have, no, goalkeepers get good in their late 30s and those years are past me now. So I, I stopped playing properly probably in 2003. Yeah. And that was when everyone was peaking. <laughs> that was when everyone else was peaking. And then I just made cameo appearances every now and again after that. So it kind of coincided, stopping playing kind of coincided with working mm. in football. So I started at Oceania Football 2005 and just started flying all over the world and was impossible to commit to anything. Yeah. And I was Stephen's mentor at Boys High. <laughs> <laughs> taught, him everything, taught him everything he knows. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of looking at it. Stephen's um, a child prodigy. My dad, Bruce, was a sports reporter at the Waikato Times for over 20 years. And his round was football for a long time. So that meant weekends were traveling to watch um, Waikato in the National League or Melville and write about it. So my childhood was just every weekend we would, football would, it would be based around football. Where The whole family would go on a trip. He'd be riding, me and my brother and our mate Sam, who we've spoken about, would be playing on the sidelines. So it was just, yeah, we were a football family. Uh, and then, yeah, that's sort of made my way through the Waikato rep scene and uh met shay at boys high and just yeah Your life changed after that really didn't it yeah i was good i was good at football but not good enough to be a professional mm-hmm. which is is quite frustrating like i just lacked pace like i was very i could see the game really well <laughs> i had all the ideas but i just i just didn't have the speed to necessary to 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 go pro mm. um so i sort of battled around after uh college like trialed out trialed at a few teams did I don't know, spend a week at Barnet, a week at Kidderminster, did some time in one of the state league sides over in Australia. But then sort of bounced back and realised, oh, my level is just good national league player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of made my peace with that. And yeah, Are you still Waikato FC's all-time leading goal scorer? 
Well, yeah, Wycliffe FC uh, folded, didn't they? So what? <laughs> Eternal. Uh, yeah, I guess I am. So without the sp- without the pace, what sort of formation would they play for you to get so many goals? It's kind of like a goal oh, hanger. Fucking hell! <laughs> get your tongue out of his ass. Gee, because no, I got nicknamed bulldozer because I was about the same, not enough pace, but just sturdy enough, and we'd play three five one, and it fucking sucked because I'd get my ass kicked out of yeah, me. Yeah, right. But yeah, yeah, put it in the mixer. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I would always play with a, a pacey striker. Like yeah. my my best partnership was with Michael Gwyther, who was lightning fast. And I'd sort of, I don't know, just feed off his scraps and the ball would bumble into my path and score. Waste, waste Number four on the Melville all-time goal-scoring list? Uh, is it? Or three? Cozzy, Mark Evans. Evans, Cozzy. Yeah. You? Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Or was it about Melville? Because playing, playing rugby in Waikato, like, obviously we had some good battles out there in rugby, but... What was, what was the vibe with that in football out there? I followed my friends, so I never actually played. <laughs> I, I played why, why were they such a good club? I played two games for them. I don't know. They've always had the best facilities. They've got eight pitches there. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those ones. It's always Melville or Wanderers, mm-hmm. depending on who's there. I know now, like now, they're definitely, because they've our mate Sam set up an, an academy, which means that they can actually bring their own talent through mm. rather than paying people whether you like it or not, open secret, bringing people down the motorway to play for them and train two nights a week. So I think it's kind of built on those foundations that they've got a bigger base to select from and kind of working on their youth. But it's been a, it's kind of a weird club, like a yo-yo club, like kind of works in three-year cycles of boom and bust, depending on which Welsh player comes out to support Steve to score goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Um I think I just follow my dad. I was thinking about my life. Like I just follow follow my dad's path. You know, he was a sports journo. What what have I become? I'm like, I never really wanted to be a sports journo, but I've, I sort of found my way into that. Uh, he was uh, president at Melville for about ten years, so you know, followed him there. Played played in the age group teams and first team, and yeah, it just it just seems like a good fit. It feels like home there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I say, a lot of lot of our really close friends have played and coached and know the old boys. It's yeah. Did you ever play any other club? Um, you played for I World played Wanderers, yeah, yeah with, for World with World Rog, yeah. Rog for a season there, but otherwise it was just Melville, I think. You're, you're saying about that dirty, open little secret that people get paid. Like, why can't club football be semi-professional? Why can't we have, like, systems? Like I said, I went to Century United for half a season. That was... Coming from Invercargill, that was bloody eye-opening. Kiwitea Street, like, holy shit. Like, why can't it be like that? I think it all stems from trust funding. Like, it kind of breaches the trust funding rules, which is where football gets most of its kind of income from. So, yeah, it'd have to be... There'd have to be some pretty interesting ways to kind of get around it. And there are interesting ways to get around it, whether fucking administrators want to be real with the fact that it happens or not. But yeah, um, I, I think that's right because so much of the money is funded by, I'm not sure if it still is, this is years ago, like pokies and trust yeah. funding is where it sort of like props the league up. But in order for that money to come through, it has to be amateur. It can't yeah. be professional. Ask a park hotel, ILT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it's like 150 a week or something. That they yeah, that's the, that's the uh, level of reimbursement that's in, that an amateur player is entitled to outside of their coaching commitments. Yeah. Uh, which they can get reimbursed for as well or get a salary for, but those need to be declared very clearly with New Zealand football. 
You've looked at the seventy shares. <laughs> well, I, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a theory on how you could get around it, but it's still in progress. Yeah. So, how how does football grow in this country? Fuck. Like it's a great question. I, I think that the issue football has is if you go in in New Zealand, if you go and watch rugby right now. Like you watch Super Rugby, you're watching the best players in the world. Yeah. You go and watch the Warriors, you're watching the best rugby league players in the world. You know, you go and watch a National League football game, and you are watching like what the 25th level yeah. of football in the world. And when everyone can watch Champions League and World Cup and the very best on TV, and then they see live the product, which live and supporting and having that community and stuff is really important it gets a certain amount of people there but at the end of the day the product is just so far removed from what people know is the best mm. so it's like how do you close that bridge even a watching a league it's like yeah it's better than national league but it's still so far removed from the top leagues like if i'm watching a game on tv unless i'm diehard phoenix and i know the players and stuff you know when my time is valuable what am I going to go for? I'll go for the for the better product. It's very good. That's a very good answer. Yeah, I think you nailed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got nothing to add to that. <laughs> I mean, qual qualify for some more World Cups would be a start because yeah. then you you get to see relatable players on the world stage. But until that happens more regularly, yeah, you're right. You, the com the the product comparison is is outrageous it's getting better you watch the all whites and see how they're doing and all the players are playing at prof professional clubs like, it's moving in the right direction but that, that has flown on though right if the, the more guys that can play at a good level you know show show clubs that they're good the more they're getting and then the more like you say we're going to the states so my old mates over here what about next person off the rack what yeah. else you got there who yeah. else can we grab yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, one other point and I'll tip a cap to our mate here we need to have better coaches in yeah. New Zealand coaching our younger players our better younger players if we got better coaches coaching younger players then they have more chance of popping out into those bigger environments mm. coach the coaches mm. nice man yeah thanks bro Wise. that um, uh, funnel story was that yes was that like the 16 funnels yeah was that like sevens or like full on football uh, <laughs> well, I don't know whether you can call the because uh, we had the like the Alex sevens down south that was sevens yeah and Sounded pretty carnage. I've never went, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can call the Tauranga City Labour Weekend Tournament proper football. <laughs> but uh, there was eleven. Was there a referee at least? There was a referee, <laughs> and there was eleven. There was eleven. Eleven aside, and that was a chance for a group of friends to reconnect over a over a weekend and basically lock a time in to to all turn up and to kind of have a good time. And I felt the energy in the group was waning, and thought I'd do something about it single handedly. Yeah. I look back really fondly on those. <laughs> yeah, they were great yeah. times. I think as you get older, you lose close friendships and you've got to work really hard to to get them and maintain them, and especially in groups. And we had a really awesome group for about five years. Um, we went to this Labor Weekend tournament at Mount Maunganui. And it started off, I think the first year we were all Mexicans and then we were Hare Krishnas and then there were Mormon missionaries and I can't remember the you others. Got, yeah, you got the timeline all, you got the timeline all, all out of whack. Was that, yeah. was that the playing kit? Or? Yeah, so we would go, <laughs> like, but the year yeah. we went as Hare Krishnas, like it was planned like seven, eight months in advance. So it was like grow your hair long, 
the day before we're all going to have initiation ceremony we're going to shave our heads and leave, leave the, it at the back. Leave the bag and we had songs that we learned and we all like we all got so invested and they, as these things snowball it's like they just get more like bigger we and better f- we had a photo of roy krishna as well <laughs> and that's what we were that's what we were that's what we were like highly offensive now that i think yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. yeah that i look that i look back at it now but it was they, steven's right that was so fun and it would be so exciting like the year before Hare Krishna's was um, Amish, oh yeah. So it was it was the same thing. It was like grow grow, grow a beard, beard, grow a beard, and then we'll do the we'll do the mustache off. And I, I, my barber Murray Rose here, I, I, like I went there on the, you had to be at the Mount Malik if you know Mount Monganui. You had to be at the Mount Malik at seven o'clock mm-hmm. on the Friday, like that was the that was the thing. But then you know chat group and we had a, a i've still got them we had like a bible like a handbook for the weekend yeah. the year before that was um mormon so we each had name badges with elder holloway elder martin <laughs> conservative haircut white short sleeve shirt and we played in the we played in this stuff yeah. it was such good times like yeah. thinking back about it and steven's right like if you couldn't commit to anything else as, as a friend group that year it was like well if, Labor weekend, of you could book it out. You could book it out a year in advance. Be like, look, whatever your domestic situation was, Labor weekend, I'm going to be away from Friday to Sunday. Lock it in here. <laughs> yeah. um, you can do what you want. Uh, I, but just I, know that I, I won't I be there. I think the reason it stopped was um, <laughs> we the, the last year we played, we had a few ring-ins, like a few people pulled out, and we had to get a couple of guys in, and they were loose units. And there was a very yeah. liberal policy for boozing at this tournament in those days. Like keg on the sideline, like funnels, open game. I, anyone can do anything. Yeah. And then some of these ring-ins got really loose and a bit violent and I don't know, maybe started fights or things. And then they... I think that happened plenty at Alex. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then they, they're like, right, next year is you can only drink uh, in the like grandstand or in the club rooms. Well, I think it was, was, like was the Sevens in Wellington, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah just and it <laughs> was liquor, liquor licensing as well. Like that was kind of... The, that, was a, that was a challenge to get around. It was a public park. Like, at, uh, and yeah. at that point in our lives, the drinking part of it was a, a huge driver. And so when that, when the threat of it being a sort of a sober weekend, I think it just sort of fell apart. I just, I like, <laughs> on a, honestly, I'm just thinking about like me and another mate lying, just hungover, slightly drunk, laying on each other on the side and just watching someone drink a funnel nude. And like there was a family with a push chair kind of off, oh. like off in the di- and we're both we're like we're cracking up but you're also going like that's someone's dad yeah. <laughs> like, like you know they got young kids at home it was like oh. but for that for that seventy two hours it was bliss what was the format to get eleven v eleven progressing oh it was one o'clock on field two ah <laughs> uh, yeah this is brilliant so. We had a really good team, so it was all like uh, from our football group, like really good players, and we would win every game on the first day. You know, uh, we'd <laughs> was it just l- like first to score games n- over. No, it was like no, no, ten no, no. minutes each way or something. Yeah, like it was like just a shortened, just really proper eleven tournament. How did tournament. goals get scored? <laughs> oh, look, we, to be clear, we were probably the only group that were really pushing the boat out alcohol yeah, wise. Yeah, there was a lot yeah. of serious lot of teams. Were. <laughs> using it as like an end of season kind of get together but we we would win every game on the first day every year and then we would have the massivest like saturday night and then the sunday games were like the knockout stages 
and the first kickoff was always super early. Yeah. It would be like 8 a.m. or 8.30 or 9. And we would always lose that first game, like four years in a row. Like people wouldn't turn up or just couldn't be bothered or, you know. Yeah. Any 95 World Cup moments, you know, Jeff Wilson on the sideline. <laughs> oh, it was just, it was, it was, it was basically just Sunday was turn up if you can and then just go to the hot pools and eat, and eat burger fuel and <laughs> rock, paper, scissors to see who could drive home. It was like, it was, game. it was tough. Yeah. Wow. Good, like great times. And that's kind of, we've been really lucky with our friend group because that kind of get to organized get together has kind of continued and carried on so we've got a new tradition which is the 12 pubs of christmas so it's similar concept like you've just got to be at the good george dining hall here in hamilton at three soft 330 for a hard four depends if there's golf beforehand yeah don't fucking <laughs> i'm a real traditionalist so if you start with something you should i believe you should kind of continue it but Golf has somehow crept into Golf's the been added. But yeah, it, it is continuing. Unsanctionedly a, added. A new group, but it is. I think that's really important, that, that camaraderie, bringing, yeah. bringing yeah. blokes together. So have you, have you had a Christmas off the booze? Yes, last year was my first 12 pubs of Christmas without any alcohol. The first seven pubs were great. <laughs> <laughs> they really were. And then after our friend got assaulted... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at pub eight it sort of just disintegrated i, I stay like i give myself a pat on the back i stayed the course all the way through to 12 i dropped Stephen home um i was able to drop a few people obviously because i was driving so i dropped a few people home but like, I, I don't think it impaired my performance because <laughs> you've got to have there's a game at each pub um there's a winner and a loser i didn't have to do any shots i think i did a shot of tabasco maybe uh, actually at one of them when i lost but yeah, no, it was it was um, it was still enjoyable. Yeah, um, that kind of giddy excitement before the first pub of like people, you know, people turning up and seeing people you hadn't seen in a little while, like that didn't escape. And as I said, for the first seven pubs, it was great. It was just, it was after that, just things got a bit silly, and I was just gone along for the ride. But I stuck the course of time. Oh, absolutely, and you, you had a good good Christmas day. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Christmas Eve. It was Thanks early <laughs> early December. So I had sobered first weekend up. of December. I had, I had sobered up by Christmas Day. Oh, fantastic! So, guys, um, you've blown the podcasting world in New Zealand apart. As someone that, like I said, been doing this since two thousand seven, it's awesome to see that the idea of a podcast could work in this market. And like for so long, you sort of looked at the charts and was like, "Oh, these are all the radio shows. Oh, these are all the radio shows." Still are. And yeah, yeah. But then you guys sort of crop up, and I'm like. Oh yeah, and then you look at what you've done, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like, how? What a buzzy journey is to say you, you just sort of started off having some fun talking to some people, then to now be part of the ACC and winning awards and stuff. What the, what's that like? <laughs> it's cool. It's it's so cool. Um, you always hear people talking about like the journey is the best part. You know, once you get there, not that we're there. Like, it's not the same. Like this journey is is just epic. And me and Shay literally every week. And like this is crazy, eh? Like the amount of stuff, like the people yeah. we are able to talk to and the experiences we have as a result of this little show we started in my garage, um, is is insane, really. Like it couldn't have gone any better than it's going. Um, so yeah, I, I think back to the journey of how we got here. And you know, yeah, it was football to start with. Um, and maybe the first twenty or thirty episodes were exclusively football. And then we started to break out and then we started thinking, well, 
what if we did non what if we did other sports or what if we did a musician or what if we did a comedian and i think to the link of like i i think this is pretty cool one of the first big name guests who let us into our house when we had no profile and we were just a couple of battlers and he there's no way he ever would have heard of us was eric murray yeah, I was listening to that on the way out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh really? And my, my family's involved wrong, so I was just like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a real moment. There's been a, a number of real moments. That was a real moment. So he invited us to his place in Cambridge. He's like, bring some beers. Yeah, we'll have a yarn. And it was an awesome episode. He sunk. I think we bought 12 beers. I think he had about I just 10. could hear bottle caps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was eight deep in the first 20 minutes. He was hoovering yeah. the yeah. So epic episode with him. Um and then later we find out that at some other social situation, he had been in the same at the same gathering as Ryan Fox. Mm. And he had spoken to Ryan Fox about this cool podcast he's on and said, you should go on it. So we, that came back to us somehow. So he sent Ryan Fox a message. And no, was that like, was me. Was it you? He was at the cricket and oh. I was standing next to him and I was like, I think eventually he clicked who who, who I was and that we had him on the, had him on the podcast because Emma Twig was at the same thing so I was sitting at a table and Emma was one of the first people and I'm I consider Emma a friend and then Eric came and we were kind of three of us were talking and then I think the penny dropped and he was like oh I really enjoyed the podcast you know who would be good would be Foxy and then he t- and then I went oh yeah that'd be great we'd love to have him on and he sent him a text and he goes yeah Foxy's keen to come on and that was kind of that was it like. Yeah, it was. Cr- how, he just, how did you then pick up and run with it? Did he like give you his number, or what was I the think, vibe? I think he did. Yeah, yeah. So it's, that, that's how the majority of the time it's literally we just get their email address or their number, and we have a pretty thoughtful message and make it sort of as appealing as possible. But then, so from that, we get Ryan Fox on epic episode with him. Like loved it, uh, and then his dad's listened to it. Mm. So we're thinking someone said Grant Fox would be an amazing guest and I oh, was yeah. sort of oh shit I'll shoot my shot with Grant so I send him a text again a guy that doesn't do interviews he doesn't do media he was with the All Blacks at the time bit of a long shot and he replies and he said hey mate uh, yeah love what you guys do uh, listen to the episode with Ryan thought it was really well done I'll be keen as to come and have a chat <laughs> so it, it, and then you've got Grant Fox and then you can go to other people in the rugby world and say we've had Grant Fox on our podcast like are you bigger than Grant Fox you know <laughs> yeah Come, come and have a chat COVID, COVID helped as well, you know, when, like you say, we'd started and then we wanted to continue it and we kind of worked out the technology eventually and then everybody around the world was kind of sitting there with time on their hands. So we were able to kind of continue and go through that. Um, but the, I think, I yeah, think back as well, there's just been kind of really serendipitous moments like Lance Ken's living at the back of one of our mates' houses in Gizzy. You know, that was a stroke of, like, that's another guy that had done nothing. And then with the help of the ACC, they got grab a seat on board and flew us down to Gisborne and we were able to do, you know, sit there for an afternoon with, with a guy that had done fuck all interviews that couldn't physically do them before he had his cochlear implant. You know, those those sorts of things are all pretty awesome. Mm. And we kind of, I guess we kind of had a, a, a little bit of an idea of being a bit strategic about things, like having Mike Lane on, like yeah, targeting, how did that come about? targeting people like that. Well, I mean, Stephen's working at NZME kind of has helped a little bit in terms of on the shop floor and through the Herald and seeing people around. But I can't remember how we got Lane. Um, well, we had Dylan Cleaver on, who yes, who was friends, right. who's good friends with Lane, and I worked uh, was good friends with Dylan, and he sort of said Lane will do it. Lane will mm. be keen. Um, so yeah, it, that sort of just opened the door to the ACC, and then 
yeah, partnering with them was was has been a great move. So we were really confident with what we had. Um, you know, the the product what we were putting out there was great, but our audience was still quite small. Mm. Um, we and had a, quite a loyal following, but we needed we didn't we didn't have any social platform of our own. Mm. You know, I think our Facebook page might have had less than a thousand followers. Um, same with Twitter and Instagram. Like we had no home. So we knew we needed to partner with someone with a big platform that could push us out. So mm. we joined up with the ACC um, and our growth. A- and we made a decision at the same time um, to release an episode every week. Up until then, it had been a little haphazard. It had been, oh, it might have been two or three a month and they'd be released on different days. But I listened to this podcast, uh, Stephen Bartlett, Secret Tyrant mm. CEO. Yeah. And it was like how I've made a million dollars a year doing a podcast. And he spoke about being consistent, being a part of people's schedules and lives and knowing that on Monday morning or whatever it is that a new podcast is going to be dropping and you don't miss. And I remember a conversation with Shay. I was like, let's just never miss. Let's every week we have a new podcast. Like let's just be disciplined enough to hit that mark. Mm. And the growth in line with joining the ACC and releasing a podcast every week. Like if you looked at our graph, it is just like that was the moment where it really started to get momentum. I think we had Patty Gower and Jimmy Neesham as our first two guests. They were, you know, pushing us on the ACC's um, Instagram page has 70,000 followers. Their Facebook page is about 200,000. So it's just Mm. like all of a sudden – between two beers, between two beers, you know, every week it's like between two beers, between two beers. It's back on again, it's back on again. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> and and so that's been like <laughs> two years now, and it's just yeah, it's sort of grown and grown and grown. Um, and like I was saying, there's been some some real uh, key episodes which have increased audience. Lance Kens helped us get Chris Kens, so Chris Kens. Again, hasn't it didn't do any interviews about the match fixing allegations or his health battles or anything like that. So got him on front page of the Herald, big opened us up to people that had never heard of us before. They listened to Chris, liked it, went back and might have seen a few others, maybe Jack Tame or Lance Kens or whoever else was around. That was a big one. Paul Henry was another big one at the start of the year, uh, and Mark Ellis. So it's kind of like that. Those three that. They transcend sport. They transcend our normal listener base. Uh, they catch the attention of New Zealand, like the stories on the Herald homepage. And yeah, the idea is that we've been creating these timeless profiles that people can go back and listen to at any time. So once they discover us, they go dip into the back catalogue and hopefully they stay there for a while. Yeah. You were saying about the ACC. I remember being at Seton Park, New Zealand, Australia, and having the ears in. And I'm pretty sure that because of the ACC, the crowd started appealing, and then they went upstairs, and then we got someone out, and we won that match. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a crazy phenomenon, eh? The ACC, it's such a unique thing to New Zealand, but such a movement. I see they've got the cricket commentary back again um, for the upcoming summer, and it is. It's such good listening. Fuck, it's funny. It's it's that whole kind of crew of Lane Wells. Uh, Lee Hart, Jason Hoyt, like all those people, all those kind of people are such icons or such co- constants, I think, from for, from up, upbringings. Even Matt Heath, like I used to watch Back of the Wide, Masterpiece Television on like a Thursday night or whenever it was. And to be able to share and like share some time with them is fuck, it's, it blows me away. Like it, it, it's moments like those you kind of go, well, it's not really, it's not like work, like it's not work really. Mm. 
it is work, but it's kind of just amazing to kind of have access to to those kind of people and then like for them to be so normal as well mm. is, is really, really awesome. I think what helps Stephen and I as well is that we're quite different in terms of interest, in terms of approach, in terms of kind of the way why we might sound quite similar, which a lot, <laughs> yeah. of, a lot of people say, which I still don't get. You know, when he throws to you the outro, I'm like, did you change it? I thought that was shame. Um, but I think that works. I think the, the, the advantage that we've got over a lot of other people is that there's two of us. So there's two sets of ears listening. There's, a, there's If someone's asking questions, the other person can be actively listening and, and vice versa and um, taking things back or kind of picking up on different things. And we bounce off each other pretty well, mm. I think. Yeah, and it's easy to disarm. I I feel like um, it's a tough like one on one interviews is a is a real um, tricky thing to get right, and it's all set with tone. And I feel like our our big advantage is we're able to disarm the guests early if it's feeling a bit stale or a bit stiff by going after each other or mm. or engaging or or making fun of one another or just sort of setting the tone like that. You know, you're able to take it. In a in a more light hearted direction, yeah, like the Rogan tactic, bring in Jamie or yeah, pour a beer or smoke a joint or <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> bring, well, out the, bring out the uh, Tupperware container. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the beer the beer was an interesting one. Like, and then generally, second half of episodes are always better than first half because, like, whether it's alcohol kind of uh, assisted or not, people have kind of relaxed by that stage and they're not fearful of being tripped up or mm. or caught out. They've kind of got into a rhythm of a conversation and generally speaking the second half of episodes are always better than the first half yeah the old um not, not the quick fire question of a bullet answer they've been able to explain themselves and yeah dive into their story and things like that eh? yeah yeah we always have a debrief well sometimes after episodes and we talk about like you know when it when it got good or when it clicked over and it's often about 10 or 15 minutes in and you're like yeah that was a bit sort of yeah, patchy, stale yeah, at the me. start <laughs> but then you you felt it it was a question that they relaxed into and then they sort of got into storytelling mode I was like that was when we had it you know yeah it's a real deliberate art form as well trying to create that safe space that someone feels like they can um they can lean into their story and I think I think because we Early on, I can't remember if it was a Tim Ferriss podcast that Stephen recommended for me to listen to about how to do a podcast. Mm. To not be afraid of silence. Yeah. And not want to fill fill a silence and kind of, I think when people get into storytelling mode and they kind of almost feel like they've told their story or they're, they're ready for you to move on. If you don't, if you don't fill that silence, then they kind of feel like, oh, they still want to hear more about it. Okay, well then, and then this, 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 or this, and this. It's a, that's a consistent kind of piece of feedback that we get is that we let people tell their story rather than kind of inserting ourselves into the narrative too much. Yeah, and I've uh, listened and read that that uh, piece of content from Tim Ferriss a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. it's very good. But but give you got to give a bit of yourself as well to get to get some back too. Like we've learned that along the journey as well. Is like as soon as someone talk about Stephen shitting himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. About that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to offer up sacrificial Stephen's story <laughs> to make you feel more comfortable, comfortable about telling him your story about shitting yourself. But it is like it's the same thing. Like That's we Chris started. Yeah. Yeah. I, I retold that story today. I was like, oh, someone was talking about going to Japan. I said, oh, 
I heard a great story about Japan. My <laughs> 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 stepdaughter's about to go out. I hope she doesn't have a similar circumstance. Yeah. But everyone's everyone's got it, eh? Everyone's got something that they can kind of relate to and bring to the table, and then you go, oh, yeah, fuck, they're just, they're just the same as everybody else. Yeah, mine's a fishing boat in Stuart Island. <laughs> that's, the Mar- that's the Mark Ellison. F- fishing boat in Stuart Island. That just makes me think of great white sharks straight away. <laughs> straight away. I was feeding them, though. That's for sure. Such, <laughs> a, such a fear of mine. Yeah. Yet I consume so much shark content. You do, Love a shark week. <laughs> Love a shark week. <laughs> shark week. Yeah. Why are you so sweaty? <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. So where do people find you? Uh, you can find us at betweentwobeers.com, uh, Instagram. Here's a question Facebook. for you. Do people still use websites, do you reckon? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a tough one, eh? Um, yes, is what I'd say. Okay. I don't know about this platform though that's the thing isn't it I'm about the same like we've you got you guys are selling hats now so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah website need a home yeah true yes you can find us on betweentwobears.com yeah Instagram Facebook Twitter LinkedIn TikTok <laughs> all the socials TikTok are you on TikTok <laughs> yeah 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 nah we've uh, I haven't nailed it that's for sure yeah. we can introduce you to a guy I know a guy from Tokoroa that's nailed it. He's helped us. He's a, he's a tire changer. Well, now he's actually working in the gold, uh, gold mines, but yeah. Yeah, we, we've we've had some great help from a guy, Marcus Logan. Yeah. Um, what's his company? Fire di- Digital. Fire Digital. Yeah. Who's changed our social media strategy. Yeah. It's It's been a really interesting journey because for the longest time, we didn't make any money or we made enough just to cover the cost of petrol. And like as this thing has grown, the, the money, the commercial side of it is starting to really ramp up, mm-hmm. which allows us which, <laughs> which yeah. al- allows us to do things and invest in areas that we had just been doing ourselves. Yeah. So for the longest time, like it was too much. It was we were doing editing and social media and cutting out video clips and just doing everything. Me and Shay were doing the whole one hundred percent of the work, and it's like it, it became a real burden. Like a, you'd have this awesome episode, but I'm like, fuck you now. I've got to write a story for the Herald. I've got to cut out video clips. I've got to go through and edit the audio of the episode. I've got to write an intro, and then we've got to like figure out how to sell it on social media and it would just be like week after week i did stuff too (laughs) (laughs) but we're we're royal eye (laughs) (laughs) we're we're in this really cool place now where we have people to help and so the marketing side of it has always been our weakness it's like let's try we join the acc because we didn't have our own social footprint but we're working really hard to build that um, so we're getting creative with Instagram and TikTok. I think we're up to, I don't know, 15,000 followers. Like we've doubled our follower count in about six or seven weeks. And we've got a real strategy now to just sort of be everywhere and just the opportunities that have started to come and will come from it of just people being aware of who you are, mm. you know? Like we've got quite a, a number of um, speaking gigs coming up. And all it takes for that to get over the line is for someone to bring it up in a whatever a boardroom or an office or a, a thought session and someone else to be like, oh, yeah, I've seen a few TikToks of those guys. Oh, I know. I've heard of them. I've, I've listened to an app. And then you sort of Been get green light. Nine weddings? Mm. <laughs> Too many. Oh, Seamus. <laughs> 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 Too many. <laughs> 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 
Too many. I'm hanging up my hanging up my wedding MC yeah. microphone for a while. But it is it is weird how it's ticked over to being business owners yeah. now. Yeah, that's and we're paying contractors and we're hiring, you know, and, and we're doing all this stuff. And it's like, wow, we, you know, we've sort of been perfecting the art of the interview, but now we need to figure out stuff. how. I mean, our goal is to take it full time. Mm. It's and I like to think that the way things are going, it's a question of when, not if. But that means being a business. That means between two beers media. That mm. means feeding off from the big audience we've got are all these different streams. And it's live Q&As and MCs and commentary and writing and TV stuff. But it's like, shit, all right, we need to put our business hat on for that. So we're kind of learning. You know, We're learning as we're going, but it's, mm. it's a really exciting thing to be thinking about, like starting your own company with your mate based on something you did in your garage four years ago. That sounds awesome. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so yes, you can find us on all of those social platforms. Yeah. Between two beers. NZ? Oh. I don't even know what that is. Dot com. I'll find <laughs> it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. So my final question, lads, is uh each of you, what keeps you in flow? Do you have a, like a, a quote or a way you live your life or Oof. or a mantra or something like that that drives you along? Oof. Ice baths fasting, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm trying I don't to beat Chip Cody. What's his name? Chogi. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have a, a quote, but I have realized that things that are difficult, um, I really enjoy um, taking them on and then enjoying them. So I, I think of these three examples in my life of things which I hated, which now I love. So one of them is fasting. So I try to do intermittent fasting for I don't know maybe 20 hours a day so most of the time I eat at five o'clock with my family and that was hard as shit for ages um, and it took a while to get there but now it's the easiest thing ever and it sort of regulates my weight um, I just have like black coffee during the day and my appetite's shrunk I just feel like it's the biggest life hack if you're not a foodie and like food's not a really important part of your life like for me I don't really care it just it just is, is such an easy way of figuring that side of my life out. Um, the other one is swimming. I can't run anymore because I've injured my hips and I hated swimming and I was a terrible swimmer and I really didn't want to do it. And then I got lessons, you know, and ended up getting swim lessons and it was really challenging to do that and I could do two lengths and I'd be out of breath. And now I swim three or four times a week because it's the only way I can still get a workout in and get cardio in. And it's something I love now. I love going to the pool. I love like detaching and you know, swimming and doing that. And the other one is cold showers. I was on a Wim Hof buzz um, a few years ago now, and I always thought the breathing part, there's two parts to the Wim Hof, there's the breathing and the cold immersion. And I always thought the breathing was the part I connected with the strongest. But three years later, I still have a cold shower. Every, I never have a hot shower. It's a cold shower every morning, every night. And yeah, you don't turn it on until hot. Nah, all cold. middle of winter, wow. and I love it. And yep. again, it's something which was incredibly challenging. To start with, I could do 40 seconds and I'd shiver and I'd, and I love the thought that I have conquered these things and sort of owned them. In the, and I've realized that with every part of my life, it's the things which are the hardest that you are uncomfortable doing and becoming comfortable. Mm. Is, yeah. Love that. What do you got for us, James? Um, I was really influenced, impacted by the Resilience Project, um, Hugh Van Kylenberg. So it's a, it was an audio book, it was a book. I digested it as an audio book, recommended to me by a mate of mine, Andrew Miller. 
And he talks about kind of three principles of gratitude, empathy, and mindfulness. Mm. And I don't nail it 100% of the time. But I think through formative years, like teenage years and early 20s, I probably went I went through a, a look, like quite a few challenging times. I reflected on this the other day, like I'd kind of even forgotten about it, but I had a very good friend, like a childhood friend, my first friend from when I was in Topol, who um, he first had a, play, a pacemaker put into his heart when he was I think 15 or 16, and then had a heart um, transplant. Mm. And I remember, it, I was triggered by memory, I was in Auckland, and I remember being at um, Green Lane Hospital when he was 17, and he was, it was, his mum had asked me to come and visit him, and, I, and I'd seen him off and on through Waikato, and had been up to visit him in, in Auckland, and she kind of just said, oh look, you two have a moment to yourselves. And it was just me and him in the hospital room, and he burst into tears, and it was like a fucking, why me? you know why am I going through this and I fucking had no idea didn't know what to say or, or what to do or anything and I kind of I think about that and then a few years later my mum had a cancer battle and then um, my dad had had a, an accident when I was a kid so it was kind of a few things had kind of happened and I think like that grounds you and kind of prepares you for some of the challenges that you face in later life not that I've kind of navigated all of them very well either like but I think that kind of empathy piece has really stuck with me and kind of um, finding a common ground, finding common ground with people. And then Mike Minogue said something about kind of leaving a room better than what you found it in. And kind of that's really resonated with me recently. Um, so I guess it's kind of that empathy, mindfulness kind of part, but also gratitude, man. Like I've been really lucky. Again, I think back to having a multicultural upbringing and, and going to my mum's um, village in the Solomon Islands and you play cards with by fucking candlelight and it all sounds romantic and stuff but it, it, it again at a young age when you're exposed to those kind of things you you you've you I'm really blessed that I've had a really um, well-rounded kind of upbringing with a few challenges in the mix of it as well so I kind of yeah I try not to let too many things phase me I get flustered sometimes but um yeah, just kind of being in the moment and kind of enjoying things. And my mom, it's from the Bible. My mum always said, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So I kind of always think, well, fuck, don't get shitty about things and go to sleep in a bad mood because you wake up feeling shitty as well. So, yeah. Beautiful, guys. Don't know whether that made any sense at all. but No, absolutely. Yeah, nice, man. yeah. It's, it's funny with, with podcasting, you go through themes and stuff. And recently I was at, was run by Arepa and they had Nodger Beach, the awesome. Wim Hof side of things. And uh, Cooper Chapman from Australia is a surfer and gratitude side of things, so it's all culminated in what you do with both of <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And, and um, I'd just like to thank you both for, one, for hosting me here up in Hamilton, ambassadors, and uh, an awesome conversation. And uh, thanks for pi paving the way for podcasters out there. It's awesome. Yeah. No, thank you very much. This is the first time I think we've been asked to actually come on someone's podcast <laughs> so it's it's not it's not it's nice to pop our podcast cherry on a uh on a non-radio yeah um podcast platform and all and like and to yourself as well like fucking without people who like got onto it early doors in new zealand as well i wouldn't have a clue what podcasting was so it's awesome that the community i think is coming up together yeah um and it's a really cool thing to be part of that as well and, and yeah, and just for me, like really appreciative that you've travelled over from Tokoroa yeah. to talk to us. Like that's so cool. Um, we're used to being on the other side of it <laughs> and it never felt like a job. We're always excited to do it, but it's really cool. <laughs>